Good morning and welcome to this week's edition of Let's Get Growing. I'm Gary Folio, your host, along with Bob Dodds from Lee County Extension Office. And it is fall in October, and we got a couple weeks left. Good morning, Bob, on a chilly Saturday morning. Yeah, it's been pretty cool this, week. <laughs> this past week. Got the been snugglies been... out already. Exactly. It has changed. And definitely feels like, uh, feels like fall and quickly approaching to winter. I'm thinking more like a feeling like winter. That's right. I had to turn the heat on Wednesday. I don't like to do that until at least the last week of October or the first week of November. But I turned it on Wednesday. I can't complain about the summer though because I like it hot and it was hot. A few questions about uh, getting quite a few questions about um, uh, reseeding lawns, and it's true. We're kind of coming to the close, or getting close to the end of the season. Um, you know, the key to seeding lawns is just how long before we get to that really, really cold 28 degree Fahrenheit level and stay there. That can be very, very hard on on new grass that that we're getting seeded. The other part of that, it looks like to me, we're just absolutely going to have to water the, so the soil and the seed to get it to germinate. And of course, we'll want to make sure and use some light straw to encourage that grass seed to stay moist long enough to germinate and to, and to come up. I have to apologize. I, I didn't turn your microphone on. I noticed first, that, Garrett. So like, hey, you. what's going on here? <laughs> I had a monopoly. I like that. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry about uh, that, no, folks. No, that's fine. That's okay. But uh, anyway, uh, so it has been an interesting fall and looks like it's going to continue to be. Uh, we have a few people, and I admire them. They're starting to plant some trees, and uh, fall is a wonderful time to plant trees. We'd like to go ahead and do that at this time. Uh, this year is kind of a challenge. We're out watering the soil before we even dig the hole, mainly because it's just so dry and so difficult to dig. But uh, a couple of times in a row and get that soil good and moist. And then we'll go back and do as we normally would, and that is to go ahead and dig a hole for the tree. Most of these are container-grown trees. This year I've been advising people or suggesting that they go ahead and fill the water complete, or the hole completely full of water Wait for the water to dissipate, wait an hour or two, let that water get away, maybe not even that long. We're kind of trying to wet that whole area around that hole so that when we put the tree in, we can go ahead and water that as we normally would. But the key this year, fill the hole with water, there wait for go. it to get away, and then plant the tree. We're going to have to take a break here. Word from Iowa, Iowa State University, and we shall be back in a moment with Let's Get Growing. keep the home fires burning, you're going to need some firewood. And joining me is Paul Ray from ISU. Now, Paul, what's the best kind of wood to use as firewood? Well, if you're buying firewood, you want to buy the dense woods, which would be oak and hickory and, and hard maple. Uh, the less dense woods, such as cottonwood and pine and basswood, just weigh less per piece. Otherwise, there's no difference in wood. A pound of oak is just as good as, is not any better than a pound of, of cottonwood in terms of the heat value. We're just talking about a difference in density. So if you're buying it, buy the dense woods. Okay, now if you're buying, you should buy in your area, right? Yeah, if you're buying, I think you need to buy within the state. Uh, and that's to prevent the potential introduction of uh, the emerald ash bo uh, borer, which is, if it gets here, it's going to destroy our ashes totally. And of course, mm -hmm. ash is a great firewood, so we don't want that to happen. 
Okay. Now, if you're going to chop down your own firewood, any special tips? Well, safety always, because it, it's, it's a hazardous thing, because you're, you're offering your operating equipment, chainsaws and wood splitters and, and stuff like that, so you need to be very, very safe. Other than that, you need to plan ahead if you're going to burn firewood, because to have dry firewood, you need to plan a year ahead of time, so you need to cut it, uh, split it to the size you want, get it stacked up, and then let it sit for a year before you begin to burn it. Because if you don't, you're gonna get less heat from it and you have the potential problems of, of creosote in your stove and some hazards there as well. Okay, and do you need to um, keep it covered? No, I don't think so. I think if you have it out in the open, you don't need to keep it covered. Although, once you start to burn in the fall, you probably wanna keep it covered to keep the snow off of it. Okay, all right, thanks for the tips. And if you would like more information on firewood, be sure to log on to gardeninginthezone.com. I'm Liz Gelman. Well, we are at Gate City Seed Company. Again, we're talking about the uh, Nice weather. You're going to have some great weather this weekend and uh, time to get some fall things done. Sure, it's nice. You should be out playing and doing all kinds of stuff like that, but no, we're trying to put you to work. Well, that's what we do at Gate City Seed. Easy work, though. Prepare a place to put your uh, flower bulbs. This fall is when you want to put your perennial bulbs in for spring blooming. Grass seed, time to finish up that grass seed. And, of course, Gate City Seed has the best selection anywhere. Time to put something out for the little rodents trying to come in. One bite works. Available at Gate City Seed. All your fall needs come and see us at 824 Main Street in... Excuse me, sir. What is it you have there? It's a chainsaw. Well, it looks like a box to me. There's a chainsaw inside. Ah, yes. Is that a light-duty or heavy-duty box? I mean, chainsaw in a box. I don't know. The box doesn't say. Well, could you ask someone? Customer service in here? Are you joking? No, sir. I don't joke about chainsaws, and neither should you. Obviously, it's time for you to get serious. Echo Chainsaws are professional grade, carry a 300-hour EPA rating, and a five-year consumer warranty. See your local Echo dealer at Armstrong Small Engine, two miles north of Donaldson, Highway 218. We don't sell boxes. We sell chainsaws. Welcome back to Let's Get Growing. We want to thank our sponsors, certainly, for uh, making this show Available each Saturday morning at 7.20, and uh, we're going to be here through the end of October. Yeah. And we'll be wrapping things up next week, looks like. That's right. And next week, well, I'm glad you mentioned that, Gary. Next week is Christmas in October. Okay. We're going to talk about Christmas trees. Ho, ho, ho. Poinsettias, uh, mistletoe, uh, gifts for uh, Christmas. And speaking of gifts, I have a great one for Thanksgiving. Um, last week we mentioned the garden calendar, and I'm there you go. I'm going to be in trouble and probably owe you some money for this commercial. But um, anyway, uh, well, I was you're right so far. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> Iowa State University each year we're really proud of this. We put together great calendar. We do. It's a great calendar, and what I like so much about it is the price. Um, if you pick it up at the extension office, and we'd encourage people to go to our extension office in Donaldson, uh, serving all of Lee County, of course. Um, but the garden calendar is $6, and if, um, if you'd like it to be mailed to you, I think there is a cost for, sh for mailing, which is maybe a dollar or two. But I brought a copy today, and I'm going to leave this with Gary because um, we always have one up in the station, and it's uh, great to have. But uh, a couple of things this year. I mentioned it last week, I know. But this year we're, we're keying in and focusing on all the public gardens across the state of Iowa. And I happened to open it up to October of actually 2012. But uh, what I like about it, is, of course, are the wonderful, wonderful pictures, all in color. But what's also fun is if you take a look at October, like for example, on the third, there's a note that says dig um, uh, daylilies and, can and cannas uh, after a, or excuse me, um, uh, cannas and tinder bulbs after a killing frost. Um, on the 6th, they say visit an arboretum or a state park. Um, 
on Columbus Day, which is 8th, uh, leave asparagus growth standing over the winter. And one of our favorites is on October 11th, make sure and remove those pumps from the water uh, features. In other words, if you have some fountains or things, you want to make sure and keep those from preventing it's also or from freezing. It's also a great time to take those garden hose oh, off uh, the house. <laughs> well, if you haven't done it yet as of uh, yeah. this morning, yeah. you might want to go check it out. Exactly. And then there's some nice comments about raking and composting fall leaves and what they can mean to you in the way of organic matter and also, most important, the texture of the soil. And then in October on the 16th, they suggest planting garlic. And I think that's something that we haven't spoken about a lot on our program. But actually, fall is a wonderful time to plant some of the garlics. And you want to make sure and plant that in a sunny, well-drained site. Um, and then also, October is still a wonderful time for planting spring flowering bulbs. And let's see. And it talks about saving pumpkin seeds and roasting them for a crunchy, healthy snack. And also continue to mow the grass until the grass stops growing, which last week we talked about that and that being 50 degrees Fahrenheit. You um, ought to put in there about cleaning out your drain exactly your, uh, drain pipes and everything, too, because it's, with the fall coming and the yep. rain and all that, it's a good way to... If you don't get the water away from your house, you're going to have it in your house. That's right. That's right. And, and mm. uh, that, that can really be a problem. It can be a real problem. You Especially on older homes and rock foundations like we have here in, uh, along the river. Yep. A lot yep. of rock foundations and the water can find, uh, find a fissure anywhere. Exactly. That's exactly right. And especially, you know, this year we're kind of really concerned, um, too, about the dry weather. Sure. You know, about pipes freezing. We talked about that a little bit. Right. Uh, not a lot we can do about it, Gary, but uh, we'll hope for some moisture. But, you know, we're also dropping a lot of leaves from the trees right now. Right. And I keep thinking, you know, some year I'm going to get get um, get going on this, and that is simply to put some uh, screening in our gutters. But one thing I need to do, I know, before winter comes, is get up and get all the leaves out of our gutters. Um, they well, like I use those little uh, screens that you get at the hardware stores that go down over the holes, but I don't screen in the whole whole gutter. The whole gutter. It's, it's a good idea to screen in the whole It is. Thing. kind of takes a little bit of cash. But, yes, uh, <laughs> it does. <laughs> but it's good. Save it's you a lot of trouble, though. Exactly right, Gary. Yeah. Um, especially if we fall off a ladder on top oh, of the man. roof. So those those medical costs can be a little expensive, too. The landing's one I don't like. That's, yeah, that's true. Falling off, not bad. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. A couple other things about the garden calendar, and I'll quit bragging about it, but uh, they do a very nice job in putting this together... This is getting to be kind of a, a pricey commercial. It know? is, I know. The time is running, <laughs> and I'm going to have to be quicker about this. But um, it does have a very nice listing of all the extension offices in Iowa, and it has a nice listing of all the publications that are available through the Iowa State University Extension Service. So please, please, please um, take a look for it, and if you would like a copy of it... Uh, just simply send an email to the Lee County Extension Office or stop by, and they will make sure and, and get a copy for you. In fact, I think of all the offices I've been in recently, Lee County was the only office to have one. Hmm. Yeah, so they're way ahead of everybody. There you go. You bet. It's the way we want to keep it. Um, Gary had a lot of questions, or a few questions, about white pines. We, t we spoke about seasonal needle drop. We spoke also about it um, having, well, when the needles drop, what a wonderful source of mulch that is. And you mentioned it last week as well. Um, our needles, uh, especially from the white pine, are they really acid, or can they change the soil where you need to add some limestone? And 
The answer to that question is it can be that way, and the answer is yes, especially if you use uh, needle, what I call needle mulch over a number of years, it can cause the soil to be a little bit acidic. Um, in some situations, especially if you're wanting to grow blueberries, that's a wonderful situation, or rhododendrons, or even some of the, um, uh, well, some of the other bedding plants as well. But if you are wanting to do, use this in your flower beds and you're looking to keep a soil pH of 6 to 7, then you may need to add some limestone every once in a while, uh, calcium carbonate. Not a lot, just a little bit. The best thing to do is, of course, take some soil samples, and we talked about that last week. Um, again, the Lee County Extension Office can help you with that. One of the questions I had, well, what, what does it cost to soil sample? Most of the samples... Uh, the soil samples that we'd recommend is just simply that basic soil test, which is phosphorus and potash. And then um, also um, do make sure and get the, the soil pH um, added onto that soil test. That's, I think, very, very important. Uh, many times we'll have the fertility right. The phosphorus and the potash will be correct. But if we have a soil pH that's too low or too high, that can create a lot of problems for us, especially when it comes to growing fruits and or flowers and also fruits and vegetables, I should say that. So please, uh, please, um, please make use of that service. But again, about $10 or maybe a little bit for shipping. Um, it does take about one to two weeks for that information to get back to you. But pine needles are wonderful, wonderful uh, when it comes to mulch. They're fairly expensive if you have to buy them. Um, this year, it seems like we've had a lot of needle drop all at once, and so they're pretty much, there are a lot of them available. Just simply look for a white pine tree, uh, a group or a grove of them. We have seen uh, one of, a couple of things. White spruce, white pine, two of my favorites. This year we have seen some white pines just kind of up and dying. Uh, people have been sending samples up to the Iowa State University Disease Clinic, and basically we're just simply coming up with environmental causes, and our thoughts are that it's just been too wet in the spring followed by real dry periods, and we've been doing that for a couple of years in a row. Remember, too, um, trees are pretty, they will naturally thin themselves. So if you have them in a windbreak or if you have them in a forest or timbered area and they're planted a little too close together, the competition between the trees, the strongest one will usually, the one that's in the best location will usually shine and live. And many times the others, just simply from the competition for water and sunlight um, and space, usually they'll naturally thin themselves, especially if conditions get to be pretty difficult like we've seen the last couple of years. Um, we have started to, uh, we have had a few samples turned in. Uh, we are seeing a little bit of termite movement. And so there, oftentimes we confuse termites with, with uh, carpenter ants. And so before you treat your home, make sure that you get a good identification if you are seeing some ants or termites they can look fairly similar and a good hand lens and you can sure tell the difference but make sure that you do know what you're treating we say that about all insects and weeds we want to make sure that we get a good identification to help you you can take pictures and send it directly to the to the um, Iowa State University Plant and Disease Clinic or you can take samples up to the Lee County Extension Office and they will be glad to help you with that. So don't, don't hesitate to make use of those services. Um, we've been getting a fair number of questions about firewood and preparing firewood. So when we come back, I want to talk just a little bit about chainsaws.
Okay, we're going to take a break here. Word from our sponsors, and we'll be right back after word from Iowa State. Bring a little bit of the tropics into your home this winter by planting an amaryllis bulb right now. And here at Ryman Gardens, I'm here with Dr. Anne-Marie van der Zanden from ISU. Now, Anne-Marie, are they really as easy to grow as they say? Yes, they are. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> you can buy them already pre-planted in a kit. All you do is add water, put them in a nice warm location in your house, and in six to eight weeks, you'll have a bloom. That is really easy. Very easy. The other thing is you can choose your own, and you can buy them bulk um, at a local nursery or garden center. Uh, when you choose the amaryllis bulbs, you want one that's big and heavy for the size of it. Uh, when you put it in the container, any kind of container is fine. It just needs to be about an inch to an inch and a half bigger than the size of the bulb and have drainage holes in it. Okay. When you plant the bulb, you want to plant it so only about half of the bulb is below the soil line. The rest of it needs to be up above. Otherwise, they get too wet and they just don't do very well. Okay. Um, and then at that point, put it in a relatively warm location. The leaves will emerge first, and then move it into a warmer location, a sunny window, and then the flowers will emerge. Great. Now, any varieties we should keep an eye out for? All different kinds, although most of them are in the pinks and the white and red area. Uh, green goddess is white with a green throat. Another favorite of mine is apple blossom. Now, how long will they bloom? They'll usually stay in bloom for about two to three weeks. As soon as they come into bloom, you want to move them into a cooler location in your house, otherwise the blooms will finish a little bit faster. Okay, and can you reuse the bulbs? You can. Um, after they're done blooming, cut off the flower stock, continue to water and fertilize them, put them outside over the summer. You bring them back in in the fall, give them about eight weeks of 50 degree temperatures, and then they'll start to produce the flower again. Alright, well thanks for the tips. Sure. And if you would like more information on the amaryllis, be sure to log on to GardeningInTheZone.com. I'm Liz Gelman. Today at Ryman Gardens, we're going to learn how to call owls, and who better to tell us more about owls than Jim Pease from ISU. Now, Jim, why are these owls good to have around? Well, they're sort of the, uh, the night watchmen in your gardens uh, with uh, hooked beaks and uh, very sharp talons. Uh, they keep away the critters that would otherwise eat your plants. Okay, now what type of owls do we usually see here? Well, we have, we have three different uh, types that are common in the Midwest. Uh, this little one that my friend Lauren from the uh, Wildlife Care Clinic has brought along uh, is uh, the screech owl. It's the smallest of the three. There's a medium-sized one, um, about twice the size of this, uh, called the barred owl, B-A-R-R-E-D. And then the largest, uh, and really the tiger of the woodlands here, is called the great horned owl. Hmm. Now, how do they sound? I mean, well, not that I give a hoot, you know. <laughs> I couldn't resist. Well, you might say these are very talented birds. We'll get <laughs> two puns in a row yes, there. Yes. Uh, there are different kinds of calls, and, and the screech owl, you might hear, the most common call you would hear is a sort of descending tremolo. It goes, The barred owl says, who cooks for you? Or in the south, it says, who cooks for y'all? Uh, it goes, and the large great horned owl says, I'm a great horned owl, aren't you? <laughs> now, should we be alarmed if we hear this sound? Are we gonna be uh, the next uh, victim? 
Not unless you're a rodent, a rabbit, <laughs> or uh, something else, uh, maybe a skunk in the case of the great horned owl. Okay. All right. Well, thanks for the sounds. And if you would like more information on owls, be sure to log on to GardeningInTheZone.com. I'm Liz Gelman. KSB Bank has been in existence since 1868, proudly serving our customers. We have strong roots and a history of providing excellent service to generations. So if you need banking products and services, stop in at one of our four convenient locations and let our dedicated employees work with you to start your money growing. KSB Bank, member FDIC. Strength you can bank on now and in the future. Well, we are at Gate City Seed Company. Again, we're talking about the uh, nice weather. You know, some great weather this weekend and uh, time to get some fall things done. Sure, it's nice. You should be out playing and doing all kinds of stuff like that. But no, we're trying to put you to work. Well, that's what we do at Gate City Seed. Easy work, though. Prepare a place to put your uh, flower bulbs. This fall is when you want to put your perennial bulbs in for spring blooming. Grass seed, time to finish up that grass seed. And, of course, Gate City Seed has the best selection anywhere. Time to put something out for those little rodents trying to come in. One Bite Works, available at Gate City Seed. All your fall needs, come and see us at 824 Main Street in Keokuk. Welcome back to Let's Get Growing. We've got a lot of things to talk about. We've got a few minutes here to... You're gonna, you're gonna cut up a little bit, aren't you? We are exactly. <laughs> guy, guy, this guy, he just got to get up really early to get a hold of Gary Folio. <laughs> I think here today, we we do, and, and Gary's gonna help me a lot with this because I know he's uh, helped or cut some firewood in his time. I have. Uh, it's, I have. I enjoy it actually. It's very therapeutic. I. Uh, it is. It's good exercise. It really is. You know, my dad always used to fun. say, "You a lot of heat when you cut it and." And a lot of heat when you burn it, so yes, <laughs> gives off a lot of energy. A couple of things we're we're always lucky at our forestry field day. Um, I don't want to embarrass him, but uh, Steve Armstrong does a really nice job of talking about how to take care of chainsaws at our forestry field day, how to use them, how to be safe with them, and does it in a very non, does it in a very educational way, not uh, trying to sell anything. Just just does a really nice job in in sharing some good common knowledge on how to use a chainsaw. And I thought today, because we have been receiving a few calls, and I think a few people are cutting firewood for maybe one of the first times this season. Um, first, let me say Iowa State. Probably. Yeah, I think so. Um, Iowa State has some very nice publications on what makes a good firewood, the type of species. We all know about hickory and oak, but you do want to be a little careful with um, Osage Orange. It can almost be too warm, or what we used to call... Hedge. Hedge. Thanks, Gary. Um, that can almost get a little bit too warm if we're not careful. We want to make sure and blend that with some other species. We also want to make sure that the firewood's but well once seasoned. once getters started, oh, it stays hot. I'll never forget our, my <laughs> first experience. We don't have too much of that up in northern Iowa, and I'll never forget the first time I decided we would make a, we would make a nice fire out of complete um, hedge. Oh, sure. Man, that stove started to glow a little yeah, bit. Yeah, they, they'll breathe. If you <laughs> <laughs> Couldn't seem real safe to me for it's some kind of, reason. It's always fun to watch the uh, when you have a double insulated uh, stove, yeah. you know, double wall stove, and the outside wall turns red. That is getting... You're getting warm. That's exactly right. We had a, a hedge post in our grape vineyard when we took all the grapes out and everything. Okay, and, sure. And so we had a big pile of hedge. And uh, the other thing is, if you like entertainment, uh, go down and cut uh, uh, hedge posts, you know, 70-year-old hedge posts, right, right. Uh, right about dusk. 
because right. it really lights up the place with that chainsaw. You still that, get sparks off of it. It is just amazing. Oh, Isn't yeah, it hard wood. It is just so so full of energy too. I mean, mm-hmm. it is so dense and just so much right. so much energy. That and black locust. We yep, we black, burned quite a bit of black locust yep. and cherry. Cherry was always good for indoor mm-hmm. yep. fireplaces. Mm-hmm. It's always good. Yeah. No, there's some ash is good. But I know we don't like to cut those. Yeah, we're going to hope. I mean, my goodness, I, we're really hoping that uh, we don't see the emerald ash borer here. Right. Otherwise, we're going to have a lot of timber to cut. But that that's, is good wood, sure. good yeah. burning wood. It is. Um, it is. We would always spend the first couple of weeks just cleaning up the forest. There's so yeah. much yeah. wood that uh, falls, and, and you just kind of clean up things and yeah. before you start cutting anything of, you know, substance. Exactly. No, I'm... You know, nice, very good firewood, especially now that we have some of these stoves, Gary, that um, they're very, very efficient, Mm -hmm. and a lot of them are even outside the home, so they're very safe. And uh, we've got some filtration systems on them now that we can really cut down on on any of the... Sometimes people have allergies, is what I'm saying. Some people use them for um, heat their water, too. Exactly. run their water lines through them. That's good. A couple of things that I kind of made some notes on, or we always... I always... You know, Steve does, as I mentioned earlier, does a really nice job in talking about care of the saw and picking a saw. But it is really, really important to get the right saw for for your size, not only uh, what you're comfortable with, Hmm. but but also what what the job is that you're trying to accomplish. If you're really taking down some large trees or if you're one of those persons that just like to maybe limb up some trees. uh, I, I have two saws. One's really pretty large. And then almost one that both are gas, but um, one that's pretty small. And the one that's pretty small is the one I use all the time. I just, I really like that small saw. It just, it just has the right bar length on it. it uh, it's real lightweight, and um, I feel like I can be really safe with it because it is so easy to handle. I have a, a small, with. medium, and extra large in gas, and then I have an electric one, which is the one I use most. Really? Electric, yeah. Because, I mean, it, our place is pretty close. <clears throat> right, right. And uh, I can also, I can run it right out of my truck. Oh, my goodness. So I can pull up and just run the extension cord out of my truck and run the chainsaw right out of it. That's amazing. But, I mean, I'm not cutting a lot of timber. Right, or anything, right. But just for trimming up trees and things yeah. like that makes it real handy. Good power? Pretty good power. Very good, yeah. I mean, it cuts anything I want to cut. Wow, that's great. I I've never used electric chainsaw. I like them. Oh, uh, we're gonna have to. They're go, handy. We're gonna have to go down to the folio place and fire <laughs> it up and see what's going on there. So. They'll cut anything you want to cut. I mean, yeah, it's twelve inch, twelve inch bar. So awesome, good, good. And and the next thing we want to talk about is eye protection. Yep, absolutely. Good. Um, hearing protection. Hearing protection. What? I don't. You can't know. I, <laughs> you don't know. Okay. <laughs> I haven't. I'm just kidding. Gas saw I do, but not with the electric. Exactly. I don't. No, I understand that. That's yeah. always wear hearing protection with the gas because they bet. are loud. Yeah, they very much are, especially and especially. I mean, grain drying bins, and I think all of us, my age, and you know, we've all driven those 806 tractors, not to pick on international, but the turbocharged. And I think um, grain drying bins, and I think also chainsaws fit into that. So we really can get some hearing loss. Yep. Um, and it doesn't take a lot of, you know, I think some of us think you have to be running that chainsaw every day, seven days a week to have hearing loss. And really, it doesn't take very long and you can lose some of those, some of the pitches or Absolutely. have some problems. Um, 
we don't use these too often, but hard hats are important. And many of the many of the companies, I think, are doing a really nice job. You can buy one unit. You can buy a hard hat. It has hearing protection in it. It has a visor that comes down, gives you some eye protection. Does a really nice job. Um, there's also some very nice protection apron chaps. And again, this is this is very very helpful. I think they are handy. They really are, and they're made of a fiber material. And right. So when the saw cuts it, it just just lots and lots of fibers and strands just basically plug the saw and right. stop it. And you can also not only get aprons, but you can get chaps, gloves, um, gloves. Um, very, 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 very good technology. A nice breakthrough. And I think sometimes we just, you know, we just get tired, and we set that saw against your leg, and sometimes you just, you know, you just slip. And uh, so that's where they really, really pay off. There are a lot of accidents when two people are cutting. Exactly. Exactly. And it so. gets complicated. Very important to have a good pair of boots on when you're cutting, and many times it's great to have uh, a lug sole so you get some good grip, and it's really nice to have some steel toes as well. And, Gary, you mentioned it already, some good, good leather gloves, some good protection. There's also some, it doesn't have to be leather, but there are some nice new products on the market that have some very nice fibers that, again, can really, can really give you some good hand protection. Most of our chainsaws still run on a our two cycle and we mix oil and gas together usually in a 50 to 1 ratio I always encourage people even though that almost all chainsaws are standard when it comes to mixing 50 to 1 uh, make sure that that is true make sure you read that owner's manual on the ma on the chainsaw so that you're getting uh, the maximum performance from the saw but also so that you're making sure that you're using it as safely as possible and then in addition, in the case, I always like to carry some, some bar oil. Many times we need to replenish uh, the bar oil if we're doing a lot of cutting. Absolutely. Make sure there's a couple, usually a couple of different grades um, in the bar oil. 80 weight, I think. Is okay. It? And some's in the summer, 16, some 80, in the winter, right. or something like that, I think, Gary. Just to yep. make sure it flows through the, through the saw. And on electric one, now you can just use uh, 30 weight. Oh, Okay. Oh, because it just, just it's just got an oiler. Well. And mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. And then I think it's really important to have an axe to just kind of trim up a few things. Um, and then also a good a good splitting maul, if you wish, and then maybe some wedges, too. Uh, it can A good wedge can keep you out a lot of trouble. It sure can. And uh, make sure you have a couple of, of uh, chains. There's some new things on the market. Uh Oregon actually came out with a chainsaw. It has a sharpener right. that you can just touch it, and it kind of touches up the the chain as it uh, circulates on the saw, and uh, it's supposed to last a long time. So there's some new technology coming to even chainsaws. But and I have seen those. Steve, Steve showed me those uh, one time. The, the chain mm -hmm. sharpeners right on the saw. Pretty neat. I've Pretty heard handy. Good, I've heard good things from yeah. it, that it really does work. So. We're going to have to take a break here. Word from our sponsors and uh, word from Iowa State University. We will be right back with Let's Get Growing. This is Cindy Haynes with a Garden Calendar Minute. With our recent frost, now is the time to dig up your tender perennials like cannas and dahlias. They will not survive outdoors over the winter in Iowa. Simply dig them up and let them dry for a couple of days until you can gently brush off the excess soil. Then place the roots in peat moss, vermiculite, shredded newspaper, or even sawdust to prevent them from drying out. Store the canna or dahlia roots in a dark, cool location 
at about 45 to 50 degrees during the winter. Do not let them freeze. The cool, dark conditions will keep them from sprouting. Once or twice over the winter, check the roots to remove any that are rotting. In March, you can plant up the roots in containers and place them in a sunny window and water as needed. This will encourage them to start growing a bit early, giving you nice-sized plants for transplanting outdoors in May. For Iowa State University Horticulture Extension, I'm Cindy Haynes. KSB Insurance is your hometown trusted choice insurance agency dedicated to meeting all of your personal and business insurance needs. Give us a call or stop in at our Keokuk or Burlington location and let one of our friendly agents work with you to save some green on your insurance. KSB Insurance, protecting what matters to you. Excuse me, sir. Yes? What do you have there? An Echo Power Blower. And did you buy it in a box? No, it was assembled and in service by a trained and knowledgeable staff before I bought it. And how is it rated? Well, the Echo trained small engine professional with 30 years experience told me it was rated by the EPA at 300 hours and has a five-year warranty. You're kidding. No, sir. I got serious. I got an Echo. Echo, only professional grade. Stop joking around. Ask about Echo Outdoor Power Equipment at Armstrong Small Engine, two miles north of Donaldson, Highway 218. Welcome back to Let's Get Growing. we got a couple of minutes here to kind of wrap things up and get on with our day. A few questions about fruit flies this week. Um, fruit flies usually show up here in the fall, and they can be really annoying, and we usually see them over the garden, or over the, excuse me, over the sink in the kitchen. Um, we always kind of associate them with fruit, but probably the truth of the matter is we're looking, it's probably time to uh, run the, clean the drain, maybe on the sink. Right. Um, they, these flies just really like slow-moving uh, sinks that maybe have some organic matter build up in them, and so really just some good Drano or, or even some hot water down the, down the sink will help to go a long ways in, in getting that uh, material cleaned out. Also, if you happen to have um, um, a disposal, a garbage disposal in your sink, that's another good source of food for the fruit flies. So it's really not the fruit so much as it is a slow-moving drain with organic matter that tends to build up in the sink. That's, that's what they usually like to feed on, and that's, what they're, and that's where they usually will reproduce. A couple of questions on storing, harvesting and storing root crops. Um, um, there are some very nice publications available from Iowa State. But again, beets, we can almost leave them out there almost until December. We spoke about this a couple of weeks ago, but make sure if you do have some root crops that you want to make sure and leave out in the garden till almost Thanksgiving or maybe after. Uh, again, straw can go a long ways in keeping that soil protected and keeping it from freezing. And, uh, but you can begin if you have a fall garden. Uh, harvesting beets when the roots are about one to one and a half inches in diameter is a good time to do that. Uh, you want to trim the tops to about a half an inch of the roots prior to storage. And, and again, uh, um, we sh most of these beets that we're harvesting right now were planted about the 1st of August. Um, carrots, you want to harvest carrots when the roots are about three quarters or more in diameter. Trim off the tops till they're about a half an inch above the root. And um, let's see, horseradish, one more I want to mention. Horseradish can be left in the ground and harvested actually in spring. This is kind of a fun crop. And if you haven't grown uh, horseradish, it's really, if you, and you like it. Love horseradish. It's fun to mess around haven't with. Haven't had uh, it's great any crop. homemade for a long time. It's a great crop. You want to be careful with uh, it. John Blaze used to make it all the time. Yeah. It was best. Yeah. Uh, we got to wrap things up today for Let's Get Growing. want to thank everybody for tuning in each Saturday morning at 720 on KOKX AM 1310. From all of us here, studios at 108 Washington Street, thanks for listening.